0: Well, we are uh, still in our series. Praise the Lord on uh, the DNA of faith. The DNA of faith. In other words, what's the makeup of Bible faith? You know, there's actually uh, lots of different kinds of faith, or terms that we uh, would define as faith, and um, in our culture. And so some people say, are you of the Muslim faith or are you of the Catholic faith or of you, you know, we're actually of the faith of Jesus Christ and of the faith of Jehovah God. And so when I'm talking about the DNA faith, I'm talk of faith, I'm talking about Bible faith, New Testament Bible faith. What's it made of? So we've said uh, several things, and I'll uh, reiterate them uh, kind of quickly here for the sake of time. And, uh, and that is, faith is made of, uh, let me say this before I do those. Remember, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, what is faith? And they, uh, people will say what faith does more than the makeup of faith. Do you know why, I'll group myself there, why we tend to do that? The reason we tend to do that is faith is not just a thought in your head. Faith, by its very definition, has action attached to it. In other words, that's why you'll, a lot of times we'll say, well, this is what faith is, and we're actually describing what faith does. And so you can't really separate those two, but because uh, so often we hear faith, and we assume we know what it means. I've gone into great detail to kind of explain it, because if you don't understand the foundation of something, it's going to be really hard to build upon that foundation. So, uh, and I got these, uh, this definition from uh, the TDNT Dictionary, which is the theological... Uh, uh, dictionary of New Testament terms, a lot of times it's called Kittle. It's probably the most expansive New Testament dictionary that I know of. It's like 10 volumes. And it was put together by about, I don't know, 15 or 20 theologians. Uh, And so they kind of went with each other. And uh, I first heard about it from Dr. T.L. Osborne, because normally uh, I'm a little bit leery of theologians, (laughs) to be honest with you, because sometimes people are not interpreting the Bible based on a revelation that comes from God, but based on like a head knowledge, like a history book. So, enough with that. Um, faith, an element of faith, of the DNA of faith, is confident hope. Confident hope. Another element is belief, simply what you believe. Faith is simply what you believe. Faith is a confident hope. Faith is a trust. Faith is obedience. See, that's where you start to get an element of you're saying what faith does versus what faith is. Faith is obeying. You know, if you believe, you obey. And then fear, uh, 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 you know, kind of being in awe of God. And then faithfulness, that, you know, uh, you have faith. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two actually says in, uh, literally, uh, lay hold on the faithfulness of God in one translation. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, God is faithful. Now, up till this point, the Jewish believer, the Hebrew believer under the old covenant could have every single one of these things, okay? But the big thing that differentiates faith in the New Testament, you know, we're of the same family of faith, but the big thing that differentiates is that we accept the preaching of the gospel message about Christ, Right? That's the, that's the big message. It's interesting. I woke up the other morning and um, uh, had a, just one scripture on my heart and I ended up reading like um, before I even went to my normal uh, prayer and reading time, I ended up reading like six or eight chapters at the end of uh, Acts. And so I was reading about uh, Paul basically going and you know he's in prison and he's defending himself and speaks before King Agrippa and, and all of this and um, he kept telling of the heavenly vision. Remember, he was on the road to Damascus, and a, a light brighter than the noonday sun uh, all of a sudden appeared to him, and it, it was so bright that it blinded him, and uh, he called out to the Lord, uh, Jesus, and um, was born again, and uh, he went through, and he told this vision like again and again and again. Um, which I found very interesting over in um, Acts. And so he would go, and first he told it to, uh, I think it was Festus, and uh, basically the local ruler. He told it to him, and because they're like, well, why are you doing all this stuff, and what's going on? And the Jews are saying you're doing stuff that's like blaspheming, and you shouldn't be doing this. And he's like, well, I'm not really doing anything I shouldn't do, because, um, I'm paraphrasing this for time, because the Jews believe that there is hope and that there is a resurrection, And so I'm actually using all of the scriptures, uh, the prophets and the Pentateuch. I'm using uh, all the old covenant and I'm actually showing the very Messiah that they're looking for has come. And so I'm not really doing anything wrong. And so he went through that with Festus, then he goes through it with King Agrippa and he goes through it again and again and again. And he says, you know, um, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision, O King Agrippa, In fact, one of the guys that he, uh, one of the leaders that he ministered to, um, I don't want to get over there. That's why I'm not turning there right now because I will get stuck there. But he was so convicted that the Bible says that he began to shake as Paul spoke. I think it was Festus. And so he was like, it was either Felix or Festus. That's why I'm getting confused with F1. And so he began to shake at the gospel message that Paul was declaring. And so when we have faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But if you look over at Romans uh, chapter 10, verse nine and 10, let's look over there real quick. Romans 9 and 10. And we'll start with verse eight. But what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart, That is the word of faith that we preach. Now listen to this. We should all, we probably are very familiar with this, but listen to it like you're hearing it for the first time. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says... Whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. For there is, Verse 12, For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, let me pause for just a second. The name of the Lord, when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're calling on the gospel. In other words, we've discussed this in the other uh, messages, that the gospel is the message of the death, the burial, and most importantly, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the preaching of that gospel, when that is spoken, then the power that was present in the raising of Jesus Christ from the dead, that exact same power is present in the speaking of the gospel. That's why our faith in the New Covenant in the New Testament is actually faith in the gospel message, which is faith in Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the message of the gospel. Right? Remember I said that um, gospel means good news, and literally it means that it's like someone coming back from a victorious battle to tell everyone that your side won. And so that's what all of us are that declare the gospel. We're someone that's coming back except for we didn't fight in the battle. Jesus Christ fought in that battle and won the victory for us. But what we're to do is to tell about the battle and really to tell about the, excuse me, the victory of the battle. In other words, you could say we were surrounded. It looked like there was no hope. It looked like humanity was uh, cursed forever and things were going to go bad and people were doing this and people were killing each other and cheating on each other and stealing everything. And then Jesus Christ showed up on the scene. And when Jesus Christ showed up on the scene, he fulfilled all of the law that we learn to live by. And as soon as he fulfilled all of that law, God himself put the sin and the iniquity and sickness and disease and poverty, all of the curse on Him. on his son Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ took that and he defeated it and he took the penalty for it even not only did he defeat that but he took the price excuse me the penalty that was demanded for someone that broke the law and you know uh, was punished and then overcame the devil in hell itself and arose again victorious right So, because he did that, I can tell you this right now. I'm actually authorized by the head of the church, Jesus Christ, to tell you right now if you have sickness in your body, in any place, anywhere, you can just be healed right now and you can be free right now. You just receive it. Well, how do you receive it? By faith. What is faith? Okay, faith is confident hope. Most people, unless they're in great despair, don't have trouble with confident hope. Faith is belief, it's what you believe. And remember what I said about belief? I went again into some depth on belief. That belief is actually a turning away from your self-will as an act of your will and turning to the Lord. It's very similar to repentance. You know, what does repentance mean? Lord, forgive me, please, because I messed up again. That is not repentance. Repentance means you stop and you change and you go the other direction. In other words, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or you say, when someone first comes to Christ, you say, uh, they repented. What does that mean? Well, they turn from themselves and their self-will and their self-accomplishments. And they turned, they they didn't just turn from that. Like if that's the keyboard and I turn the other way, it's really not so much about what I'm turning away from. It's more about what I'm turning towards. Right, so you turn away from that and you turn to Jesus. Well, I have to say this when I say that, and and that's this. Does that make sense? (laughs) When you turn away from that, we many times it's real easy to say like some fleshly sin. Like you're thinking, most people's thoughts would go to like some fleshly sin. I'm going to turn away from that. I'm going to turn to Christ. Of course, we do that. But what I'm talking about is self-will self-fulfillment, self-righteousness is probably too strong of a word because then everybody's going to be like, oh, I don't want to be self-righteous. I'm saying it's a very subtle thing that you're relying on yourself and you're not relying on the Lord. And faith is relying on the Lord, not relying on yourself. So faith is actually turning towards the Lord in every area of your life. You'll notice sometimes you yourself or other people will have faith in one area, strong faith in one area, and we might not have as strong a faith in another area. You know, I remember, I remember there's a lady that was in Brother Higgins Church, and she had faith for like a common virus, like a cold or a flu or anything like that. And uh, she was uh, wheelchair bound, though. And so uh, they were praying. They had a little prayer group, and they felt like they should go pray. So they went to pray for her, and they prayed for her. And literally, he said, she was, by the power of God, lifted up out of the wheelchair and in front of the wheelchair. So she's floating in the air above it. And she looks down and she grabs the wheelchair and pulls it up to her uh, rear and sits in the wheelchair, pulls herself down. And uh, Rathagin said, you don't have of faith, do you? Well, he meant like in that area. And she said, no, I don't mind telling you, I'm going to go to my grave in this chair. Well, you can have what you say. And she got exactly what she said, but she's the very one that her son would come and say, Mama's sick again, pray, and she would receive healing every single time, instantaneously. He said she would have like, not to be gross, snot running out of her nose, and you'd pray, and it would stop like that, and she'd be healed. You know, I don't want to get into all the details of that, but the reason that happens sometimes is people get so familiar with their condition that they're more familiar with the condition than they are with the word. And so in any situation, but like that situation, you have to turn from your familiarity and your comfort with your things and your stuff, and you turn away, you turn to the word, right? So what happens, sometimes what we do is we say, okay, well, I know that's not right, and I know the Lord said I'm healed, but we kind of know it more here than in our heart, and so we turn away from it, but we're not turning towards the word. We're kind of in no man's land, and so we have no solid ground to stand on, right? Because the only solid ground that's ultimately solid is the word. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free or set you free. Jesus didn't say the truth would set you free or make you free. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. So it's the truth that you know that sets you free, not just truth itself, right? Because if tr- if it was truth itself, well, Every man and woman that's alive, according to Corinthians, has been reconciled, made right with God. We're actually supposed to go tell people, hey, God's not mad at you. He loves you. You just have to receive what he did. Right? But, so it's not automatic. But all the heavy lifting has been done. So as an act of our will, your will is very powerful. As an act of your will you choose to release uh, the control of yourself over yourself. And you give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. You give it to the word, okay? And that's, of course, what we just read in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, you're declaring with your mouth, Jesus is my master. Jesus is Lord of this. In other words, you know, you see a lot of people and um, say, Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm, re- I'm receiving him. I believe that, you know, the next half of the verse that God raised him from the dead and that's how you're saved. You confess that, believe it. And, um, but like uh, maybe they hold the finances back or maybe like this woman that was crippled in the wheelchair, she's holding that back. And so um, she's not really letting Jesus be Lord of that area of her life. And uh, we do that for different reasons uh, because um, a lack of faith is, of course, the ultimate reason. What does lack of faith mean? Well, that means you just don't have trust in that area. If you, here's the thing. If you have the privilege to travel to an area, whether in the United States or out of, many times it's out of the United States, where people have not heard the word of God or people have not been part of a religion. In other words, they're just like, Heathen, they don't know. They don't know anything any better. You will notice that it is the easiest thing in the world to get people to believe the word of God when you speak it, because they don't have to unbelieve things that are twi- that the devil has twisted. And so you say, like, well, why? You know, why does this happen overseas more than the United States? Well, unfortunately, it's happening more in the United States, which is a good thing because you want to see people's lives change. But the reason it is is because it's like a lot more unchristianized. But if it's religious, that's actually good too. So at any rate. But when you have someone, yourself included, and you have had uh, twisted teaching or false teaching, or I mean, don't maybe I shouldn't put such a big, scary word on it. When you've had teaching that maybe isn't, uh, the full counsel of the word of God, it can trip you up. And that's why we have to do what Romans 12.2 says, which is be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And remember, Romans 10 17, which I've quoted a couple times, says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, let's say it with Rhema in there. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the rama of God, or some translations actually say the rama of Christ, which is the anointed one and his anointing. So you could almost say, faith comes by hearing a word spoke from God under the anointing. This is why you'll find you can go to some services and you feel like something was just put into you. You feel bigger on the inside after you leave the meeting. Or the class. Do you want to know why you feel that? Faith just came. Hearing the word. One translation says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. So you could say, faith just woke up. Like all of a sudden, whew, there's something moving in me. That's faith. Because that's how faith comes. Okay, so if we keep reading, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved how, now listen to this, this this is so important, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, if you haven't believed in Christ, how could you call on him? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? So you find all the time, people have not heard of Jesus. And the second they hear of Jesus, I mean, I've had people say, (laughs) it's so fun. Um, Well, who wouldn't want to believe that? You want to be like some people that now, because why they're so pure because they haven't heard of him. Uh, I did in Bible school we had a I don't remember the name of the book maybe somebody can say it if they remember it but oh it's called eternity in their hearts. There's this book called Eternity in Their Hearts and it actually talks about all of these tribes and uh, people that have been unreached and stuff and almost every single one has this legend of this one that was gonna come from God and he mirrors everything of Christ. And so uh, it goes and tells about missionaries that would go to reach these tribes and they say, we actually had a vision that there was one day someone was going to come and tell us about this Messiah figure. And so they said, thank you for giving him a name. Now I know his name is Jesus Christ. And then they call on the name of Jesus. And so, but until they hear about it, until they know about it, in other words, until you know something, how can you, how can you do that? You can't do it. You could be stuck in DC traffic (laughs) every day. And you're like, what is going on? What is going on? And you didn't know that Donald Trump's son bought a house next to you and there's a helicopter that you could actually get on the helicopter and fly every day. That's not true. But if it were, you could actually, like at our house, every day about, I don't know if it's 8, 8, 39, something like that, there's a helicopter that leaves and then it goes towards D.C. and then at night it comes back. So I could actually have a neighbor that would just be the most gracious person that I would never know. And they would say, you know what, anytime pastor, if you want to ride, you can come with me. And I would have access to that and not know it until somebody told me about it. In other words, like we like swimming holes because we like swimming pools too, but we really like rivers and lakes and stuff like that. And so whenever we find out about swimming holes, like you might pass someplace all the time and never find this swimming hole. Uh, there's actually one that's like 30, 25, 30 minutes from our house and this beautiful river I just found out about about uh, two months ago. I had no idea it's there. And, uh, but then I, was, I took Evie on a date and on the way back I passed this and I said, "Well, what is that? And uh, I looked and it's so beautiful and crystal clear water and running you know, big rocks and stuff and I'm like, this is awesome. But until I knew about it, I couldn't do anything, so then I I knew my wife would like it. So I told her about it, and then she knew about it, so then she wanted to look into it, right? Okay, so how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in whom they've not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good news. If you ever wonder what you're supposed to be about, it's that verse right there. It's not like uh, if you don't turn, you're going to burn and go to hell, uh, although that would be a truth. But that's not our main message. Our main message, you know, our main message is peace with God and good tidings of great news. Because you know why? I know some baby Christians who have gotten born again, and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they And they have the peace of God in them. They have the fruits of the Spirit in them. But they act like they don't. And so they live a life full of stress, full of anxiety, full of worry. And they're really still trying to live their, their lives under their own power rather than under the power of God. Because Jesus said, I have come that you might have zoe, which is the life of God and the nature of God, right? He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so he came, one translation says that you might have life to the full, a full life. Well, you don't have a full life if you can't pay your bills. You don't have full life if you have sickness in your body. You don't have full life if you're depressed every other week. You don't have full life if you're stressed out all the time. There is full life, but that full life is only found in Jesus Christ. You have received him, the Bible says, so then therefore walk in him. Isn't that interesting scripture? As you have received him, so therefore walk in him. Well, so many times when the Bible talks about walking in Christ, it's talking about the manner of life that you have. So you can have... Christ, but not live in him. You can have Christ living in you, but you cannot let him live in you. In other words, not let him be alive in you, not let him make himself at home in you. So as you have received Christ, so live in him. Well, how do you live in him? Well, you just give him access to every single area and Faith comes by hearing, but not hearing anything, and hearing by the word of God. And so as soon as you hear the word of God, I should say, as soon as you hear the rhema of God, faith is present. So just because you hear Someone read words that are written down in the Bible doesn't mean that you're receiving or hearing the rhema of God. Jesus talked a lot about how we hear. He said, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear. And so we have to make sure that we hear God speaking to us. That's why Ephesians 1 prayer and Ephesians 3 prayer are so vital that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened Amplified says flooded with light. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit working with you and showing you these things from God, then this is just a book with some pages with a very moral man. In other words, it doesn't become real to you. Because when the word of God becomes real to you, it affects how you live. It changes you. It really changes how you think, what you do. So as you, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. So our faith is actually in the word of God. In other words, it's in what God said. And primarily it's in what God said about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that happened to him. And that faith in the resurrection is, you know, the church has made the biggest mistake probably in the world by just relegating that to the salvation, one-time salvation experience. Not knowing that the resurrection life is actually something we're to experience in every area of our lives every day. Because if it was not for the power of God that raised Christ from the dead, uh, I probably wouldn't be a very nice person because I have the love of God that's been poured, uh, shed abroad, or poured in abundance in my heart uh, by the Holy Spirit. And that love constrains me, and that love is a commitment, and that love causes me to do things that I wouldn't do, and have things that I wouldn't have. Faith works by love. That's how faith's actually gonna work. So if my faith was not working... The very first place that I would look is, am I walking in love? And you might say, do a quick scan of yourself and say, oh, yes, I'm walking in love. Of course I'm walking in love. I don't want to get too far over there. But did you know, yes, love prefers the other person and love does not seek its own, but also says love is not ostentatious. In other words, love is not out front saying, Look at me. And love uh, isn't trying to uh, put itself in the best possible light and saying, like the Pharisees did, I, want the, I need the best seed and all that type of stuff. And in other words, love kind of sets itself aside. Right? So sometimes we'll relegate love to, Did I treat them good? Well, sometimes you cannot be walking in love and no one else is in the room. <laughs> In other words, uh, you're allowing some uh, prideful thing in you, and that's not walking in love. And then sometimes we, we look at what we're doing with other people, but we don't walk in love with ourselves. You know, that's an area where I have personally had to grow because I'll be, like, really tough on myself. Like, you need to do this, 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 you know. Uh, But the Lord said, uh, you know, that verse applies to you for yourself as much as it does anybody else. I said, oh, good point. But you know what that is? What was he just having me do? Turn away from myself, my self-will, self, 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 and turn towards Christ. In other words, I'm I'm relying upon uh, what he's done. I know it's easy to slip back into uh, trying to accomplish your own righteousness because the Bible tells us so many times that people did that. I mean, Galatians itself was written because of people that tried to slip back in to accomplishing their own righteousness. (laughs) Like, this thing is like a gift of God. And the way you access that gift of God, that grace of God, how do you access grace? By faith. And so, um, faith is to be based on the word of God, and in the word of God, and we're to have faith in the message of Jesus Christ, which is the message of the gospel, which is good news. And so our faith, like Abraham's, is actually to be in words that were spoken. The Bible was spoken so that it could be written, and then it was written so we could speak it. So our faith is in spoken words, Rhema is like a spoken word. It's like a word that's so real and so alive that God makes it so real, so alive to you, it's as if you heard him speak it. And sometimes actually it seems as if you did hear him speak it. Um, But Romans chapter 4, verse 18, talking of Abraham, said who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. You know, we talked about hope, confident expectation is an element of faith. Look, it's right right here. Um, Who against hope, Abraham, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Listen to the next part. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. I don't know if you don't know this or not, but Abraham didn't have like the written down word. He had the spoken word word. And so he believed on the spoken word. So let's look over at uh, Mark 11, 22 uh, through 26. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, and Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. For verily, I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, listen, he said, will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart. But believe those things that he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Do You know, Jesus didn't say he'll, that you'll have whatever your pastor says. Jesus didn't say that you'll have whatever your wife has been saying or your husband has been saying or your friend has been saying about you or your parents have been saying about you. But shall believe those things which he, he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So you don't even have what God says, you have what you say. Well, that's like a pretty tall order, right? Verse 24 is very similar with a little bit different. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So when will you have them? After you believe that you receive them. So what we want to do is like what's called like um, maybe head faith or sense knowledge faith. Which is to say, okay, I'm going to believe I have the money when I see it in my account. What if you're believing that? What's it going to be? That means I'm going to stop worrying when I have the money in my account. Right? I'm going to still worry until I, once I get the money in the account... Then it's going to be like that. Uh, what's that uh, little uh, mini car movie uh, from a ways back? Anyhow, the guy, like, they got a transfer of stolen money, and he said, he's at a, an airport at this uh, luggage carousel, and all of a sudden this guy goes, Whoa! I think it was like 24 million or something like that. And he realized he was being like this, and he was like, I just got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> But if you're waiting to get the Holy Spirit until you see it in your account, you probably won't ever see it in your account. Because you believe you receive when you pray. Why, why do you believe you receive when you pray? Because your faith is not based on seeing it in your account. Your faith is based on what Jesus said in verse 22, lay hold on the faith to the faithfulness of God. So my faith is based on the faithfulness of God have faith in God, lay hold on God's faithfulness. So as soon as I lay hold on God's faithfulness, then I'm not making it come to pass. It's not based on my ability to make it come to pass. It's not based on my ability to confess 24 hours a day. It's not based on my ability, all this type of stuff. It's based on my ability to push aside my self-will, myself doing it myself, and lay hold on God's faithfulness. And so now it's like, okay, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, worried, and I'm not fretting, because it's not based on me, it's based on the Lord. And so I'm holding on to Jesus. And so since I'm holding on to Jesus, I'm holding on to the most solid rock, the actual cornerstone, the foundation of all truth, and all life, and all existence. And if I'm holding on to him, I cannot be moved it doesn't matter the circumstance that comes. It doesn't matter the stress that comes. It doesn't matter the thoughts that come. It doesn't matter that the, bill, uh, the people that you owe are saying, hey, you have to have the money. You have to have the money. Because the money will come. It's guaranteed. Because it's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. And it's based on the word. And so, um, so you have to turn away from yourself yourself. And turn towards the Lord. And I mentioned love. That's what love is, to be honest with you. If you look at all the descriptions of love, it's actually, it's it's committing yourself to not live for yourself. And how do you not live for yourself? You tap into the love that has been poured into your heart and you live from that love. Your life is sustained from that love. And uh, then you can act. So... Verse 23 says, you believe that those things that you say shall come to pass. It's much like I mentioned over in Acts where Paul was talking to King Agrippa and to Festus and to Felix, and he said, he kept telling them every single one. He would go from like the little uh, local jurisdiction to the regional jurisdiction to the national jurisdiction, and then eventually he went to the international, to Roman. And, um, and to Caesar himself. And every time, what did he do? He told the words that were spoke to him in the heavenly vision. Which are written in the words, so now they're words for us that we can stand on, right? That Jesus spoke to him. And so he kept telling the vision, kept telling the vision, kept telling. So he spoke it and declared it the same as we are to speak and declare what we have seen. When we had a heavenly vision you say, well, I didn't have like a, Jesus didn't appear to me. I like how T.L. Osborne said, he said, first we saw Jesus in the word. And the way they did that, him and his wife, is they looked and they said, we're going to read the Bible, the New Testament, like we've never read it before. But what are they doing? You know what they're doing? They're like, like John Osteen said, and Joel Osteen repeats now, this is God speaking to me. God wrote these words to me. You know. Got it, went home and you had this package that was delivered on Sunday, maybe by Amazon Prime. And it had this like this big Manila envelope, and it had a document this big into it, in it, and it said, "This is from God, to you, <laughs> sent express overnight." You'd be much interested in what was in that, and what He had to say. That's what it is. And so they did that, and so the, the, the word came alive to them, and of course they saw Jesus, and, and it really transformed their whole ministry and, and their life, but not only their life, the lives of countless uh, numbers of people. So stand with me if you would. I'm doing better. I enjoy this stuff so much I don't want to keep you too long. Praise the Lord. Jesus said in Mark 11:22, have faith in God. The margin of my Bible says right here, have the faith of God. So what we're talking about is the faith of God or the faith that comes from God. We're not talking about a natural human faith. We're not something, something that you can come up with and something that you can do on your own. This is something that we actually, we turn towards the Lord and we, isn't that amazing? Even in faith, we just release our own ability to have faith. Don't have faith in your faith. And you understand how I'm saying that? You have faith in the faithfulness of God and in the faith of God. And then you have faith in God in you. And everything I'm saying, you just look at the in him, in whom, uh, scriptures, in Paul's letters, and you'll find, what did Paul say? It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And I think in all of our lives, we could take a second and examine ourselves, and we could probably within the last 30 days find a time when we know that we were living in that area and Christ wasn't. (laughs) You know, so as you have received Christ, so walk in him. And the only way to do that is you constantly look to him and you talk to him. I know um, we um, when, uh, when Leah's parents passed away and her brother, we spent a lot of time with Jeremy and Leah, uh, it probably like three and a half years ago now. And, um, you know, it was a big deal how they passed away and everything like that. And so what did we do? And every step of the way, we just turned towards the Lord Jesus. We prayed in the spirit a lot in other tongues. And then we just constantly, for every move we make, we're going to go somewhere. We pray to the Lord about it. We're going to do, do, uh, go talk to this person. We pray to the Lord about it. We're going to have to go make this decision. We pray to the Lord about it. Because why? Well, that was an intense situation. Well, we should live like that all the time. You know, always be praying, constantly in prayer, and so that you're constantly looking to the Lord and constantly not looking to yourself. Sometimes we miss out on some of the best blessings of God because we can handle this one. You know what I'm saying? You're like, this is too small of a deal to to bother the Lord about. Or then other people do the opposite. This is too big of a deal to bother the Lord about, you know. No, he loves you. He wants to be uh, intimately involved in your life. And I am here to tell you from personal experience, he has answers for every area of your life. Every area. And uh, when you get his answer and you do it his way, there is no remorse and there is no regret. And there is such freedom and fullness of life that um, it's literally Zoe. In other words, it's out of this world. It's the God kind of life. Because you think, like, how could life be so fulfilling as this? Does that mean, like, um, you have everything? No. I have a very fulfilling life. But I'm believing for a lot more abundance, a lot more many things. Um, But if you've ever seen someone, this is just, I think, a vivid example. If you've ever seen someone that doesn't have a lot financially, but they are the happiest person you would ever see because they've come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and the meter of their every need. Now, thank God the Bible says that I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we have promise for our spiritual life, our natural life, and our financial life. And so God wants us to always be increasing. But what I'm saying is when you really let Jesus have access to every area of your life, there's so much he can do. And what you see at the moment, uh, you know, I'm not, I like Willisworth said, I'm not moved by what I see, what I feel. I'm moved only by what I believe. What you see for the moment is temporary if you live based on what you believe. And, and if you don't, even what you see is temporary because you've got a short life here on the earth compared to eternity. But what you may be experiencing at the moment becomes insignificant when you're standing on the word. Because you have his word for it and you know it has to come to pass. So you don't have to be worried about the temporary pressure of the moment because you're not living in the moment or for the moment. You're living in eternity up there with God. And you're not living based on your ability. You're living based on his ability. So that actually lets you go beyond yourself when you live by faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, that your word is what can divide our soul and spirit. Father, we thank you for giving us light and give us revelation and giving us understanding. Every head bowed, every eye closed still. If there's anyone here or listening online that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna invite you right now. Just slip up your hand or email us And we want to pray with you and for you. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he wants to be Lord of every single area of your life. He loves you with a love that is unending. If you're you're listening online, just email us at info at anchordc.org. And we'd love to pray with you and for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a, a great time in your word. We thank you that you are the one that gives us the ability to speak, that you are the one um, in whom we live and move and breathe and have our being. Father, we thank you that you are the one that gives us understanding, that your spirit makes all of the things of your son Jesus Christ and all of the things about you real to us. So we thank you for him. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that takes these things, reminds us of them, and helps us to, invigorates us actually, to live them out. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.